0: This is Americana Podcast, the 51st state. In the summer of 2018, Robert Keane and I sat down at a table and said we need to talk about Americana music. At the time, it felt that there was a disconnect in not only the discussion around the genre, but in the would-be community as well. Industry workers and audiences were leading the conversation, but there appeared to be a disturbing absence of input from the most important individuals in American roots-based music, the artists themselves. And rightfully so. Without a clear definition or reliable network, how is an artist expected to identify or adopt a genre as their own? And although Americana music has been formally recognized since 1997, it seemed that musicians were still trying to fill in the gaps between the usual suspects of country, folk, and rock music. It was then that the concept of Americana podcast, The 51st State, was created, a discussion about Roots music by the artist making it. Since that time, we as a program have traveled across the country speaking with artists across the genre. We have recorded in studios, green rooms, and in front of live audiences. We have stayed up into the wee hours of the morning researching and conducting interviews and editing. So much editing. All without taking a single penny. On April 30th, 2019, after a year of writing, recording, and refining, americana podcast was released into the world with our first two interviews lucero and jamestown revival first i would like to say thank you to our audience from those who've consistently tuned in from day one to those who are just pressing play we are especially fortunate for our friends and family who've nurtured this project throughout its evolution and finally thank you so much to the artists past present and future who allow us the shimmering glimpse into the creative spirit because without you the world would be far too quiet. On this, our anniversary episode, we invite Zach Chance and Jonathan Clay of Jamestown Revival back, but on their recommendation with a twist, Zach and John will be interviewing our host and moderator of Americana, Robert Earl Keene. So join us from the BMI offices in Austin, Texas, as we celebrate our one-year anniversary episode. I'm your producer, Clara Rose, and this is Americana Podcast, the 51st State.
1: a podcast. This is not Robert Earl Keen. This is Jonathan with Jamestown Revival and we are taking over your daily podcast and we will be flipping the script today and we will be interviewing Robert.
2: Robert are you ready for this? I'm absolutely ready. The shoe
3: is on the other foot. Uh, okay? As they say.
2: And there's Zach. And, yeah, this, this is Zach and I, I do
3: before we start I, I think it's we have to clarify that this is um. Such an honor, not only to be back twice, uh, or second time, uh, but also to to get to interview you, because I think there's a lot of people who would, who would kill to be in this position. So thank you for having us back, and congratulations on a year of successful podcast.
2: Yeah, this is, this is great. This is our anniversary uh, show. Uh, we've, been, we've been on the air now a year, and uh, the first very first one that we had was uh, with Jamestown Revival with Zach and John here. So now I'm in the hot seat.
3: <laughs> That's right. Yeah. 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 Get ready. So it is a interesting to put to put the interview hat on. Is is it's different. The pressure changes. The, the pressure
2: is. Yeah, it's real.
3: I'll, I'll throw a nice a nice lob.
1: Okay. You ready for it? Ready yeah, for the I'm
2: ready. i ready.
1: So so Corpus Christi Bay. Did mm-hmm. you really flip a car? And if so, what, what's the what's the story?
2: I did not flip the car. Okay. okay. The the car had. Uh, I bought the car for a 100 bucks from a guy who was going in the navy. And so we had to go and so it was like, okay, great. We I got of car? this car. It was a 1965 gto.
1: Oh, okay.
2: But it was stuck in the mud up Gas to the axle. And oil. Yeah, it was <laughs> unbelievable. And I and so we pulled it out and got it on and and my my brother says, well, "We got to take it for a test test drive." So it was a it was a 3 speed on the floor, I think. That's what I, th- I think it was. And anyway, uh, so he's a good driver, but a fast driver. <laughs> so we get on this road in Corpus Christi. It's called Castoris Avenue. It's in kind of this rough part of town, and it was one of those raised roads. And on either side, there were these huge ditches, like eight foot ditches. And we're flying down Castoris <laughs> at about hundred miles an hour. And I'm thinking, man, if we blow a tire. We're in trouble. We're done. Yeah, and he says, this thing's kind of wobbling. We might ought to pull off, and all of a sudden, boom, we did blow this tire, and we pulled off on this one of those hard-shell uh, parking lots. They used to have all these uh, oyster-shell parking uh, lots down yep. there, right? Yeah, exactly. So we pull there, there, and we get out, and sure enough, this tire is just completely shredded. And we look around, and all the other tires, and they all are showing steel through Mm. there. All of them were just paper thin, and they were showing, you know, like that steel coming out of the steel-belted radials, you know?
1: And here y'all were flying out. Yeah,
2: Yeah. I I, I said, man, we are really lucky we're not dead. So uh, we got a guy to uh, pick us up, take us back, and, of course... We didn't change it like with brand new tires. We got some used tires, and and then it It was okay. But it was uh, it was one of those kind of things where it's like, like you know, well, it works better if it flips in the song. Uh, (laughs) Some creative license. Yeah. Uh, Yeah.
1: Well, that you know that kind of is a good segue into into my next question, which which is you know listening to your catalog and you know it's it's very story driven. And and you really, I feel like you take your listener and you put them right there next to you as you're, as you're experiencing these moments or living these, these moments. And, you know, I feel like for us as songwriters, a lot of times we'll write a little bit more abstractly or leave a little bit more to the imagination. Whereas you're very clear about what you're, what you're saying, which is something, you know, I'd, I'd like to push us to do more of. And do you feel like you ever had to seek out stories or were you just sort of perceptive to stories as they were happening? You know, do you feel like... Um, when I
2: grew up, I, lo- I, loved, I loved story songs. I loved all those, you know, like the Johnny Cash story songs and, mm-hmm. the, and you know, the Marty Robbins story songs. And they always had, you know, real clear stories. A lot of times they were, uh, you know, some of them were, were barred from the Old West or... Sure. Some of them were barred from like some neighborhood young young sort of uh, coming of age kind of thing, yeah. and they put those together. And I felt like most of those kind of songs truly had the you know beginning, middle, and end. And mm-hmm. and I so I really kind of patterned my writing after that. That seemed what was easiest for me. However, when I'm just without a like a real life story in my head, I could. Sit around and kind of borrow from books Mm -hmm. or things like uh, there's a song I wrote uh, called The Traveling Storm Mm -hmm. that I wrote after I read this, you know, poetry book by Ruby. You know, this guy, R U M I. It's like a. uh, He uh, he, he was like a poet in the. I'm going to get this wrong, but I'm going to say 13th or 14th century. Mm -hmm. I believe it. Yeah. And uh, all his stuff was amazingly fantastic but also philosophical and almost sort of spiritual are you so, yeah yeah it's really good stuff i mean really it, and so after i read this book i just sort of borrowed this whole idea of like you know floating around some unknown part of the world uh you know kind of gypsy sort of traveler out How, mm-hmm. however i made this person like an assassin so Mm-hmm. That, this assassin is looking for the person that he knows is looking for him. Okay. So so uh, that just, you know, really, that was just sort of absorbing what I'd read yeah. and then creating my own story.
4: Creating yeah. a story, uh, right. right? In the unforgiving morning, caravans of shame. Like a snake, so quick and deadly, sleepless, cold, and cool. The one I seek is making ready, waiting patiently.
3: you a big fan of literature, and do you feel like that's influenced the your literature?
2: Style? I think the literature has been like. The key for me, yes. Reading has uh, an effect on all of us, and I believe that if you really like uh, literature, be it you know, be it you know, uh, Harry Potter or you know, be it Herman Melville, it doesn't really matter if you absorb those kind of stories and things. I think. As a writer, then they affect your writing, you know, mm-hmm. so, uh, particularly for me in a narrative way. Mm-hmm. But I think in many in many cases in a language way with other people, you know, I'm not mm-hmm. quite as in tune to how language fits, but I do I do know how stories are put together. So yeah, definitely. Uh, my best example there would be um, <coughs> I really patterned uh, the song Mariano after a, uh, and I'm going to not be able to call his name, but uh, a a poem that was written uh, late 19th century called My Last Duchess, and it's all about this sort of, you know, like he speaks in a kind of flowery terms about how, you know, how much he loved her or how much much she meant to him, and in the end it turns out that like she's either dead or he killed her or something like that, and so it's like that kind twist, of, yeah, it's a yeah. great, great twist, and the and so, um, but the thing was was the uh, the perspective was a, uh, a first person perspective talking about one certain person and how they were. And that's how I really started with that particular. Hmm. It, didn't, it doesn't that doesn't come out the same at all, but it does. It was the same approach.
1: So, would you say more of your songs come from? Stories that you've read and picked up, or first-person, ex- first-hand experience, or kind of a 50/50 mix. Or.
2: I'd say I'd say it's it's about half and half. I mean, okay. if I'm if I'm, I would say I start out usually trying to think of things that have really happened to me that seem mm-hmm. to be important, or some have some some kind of I don't know glimmer of hope or tragedy or or or, or you know great great outpouring of love. Yeah, and then. If, that, if, if that's how it feels, then I, then I write that kind of sto- story. Or I try, to, I try to mimic that story in my mind. Yeah. Whereas uh, when I run out of those kind of things, then I sort of go to full-blown fiction. Okay.
1: You know? So how about Jerry the Waitress?
2: Uh, that came from... Um, uh, there, there was no real story there except for it was about two people that lived... When I, when I lived in Mandera. Mm-hmm. there were these two people that were kind of on again, off again, always fighting, always having a problem, but always being in trouble with the law, mm-hmm. right? And then one time, they just disappeared.
1: So that was, a, uh, oh, okay, so the truth was they disappeared.
2: Yeah, they disappeared. And you filled in the gaps. Yeah, and that's okay. and that's what, what I, I, I was thinking of them at the time when I was putting that together, and so I thought, cool. this is how she is, this is how he is, both always in trouble, you yeah. know, and, and then in the end, you know, on the run.
1: Yeah, were the names fictitious or accurate?
2: Uh the one the Sherry was a real Sherry. R- Was okay. a real person, right? right? Yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. That's cool. Son split at all
4: I told you. Some drunk out sounder. Put his hand up to share skirt. Sunday chickens cloaky, lay the plug out on the floor, stuff the following tip jar, walk on out the door, she's running right behind me, reaching for his hand, the road goes on forever the party.
3: There's songs you write and you go, man, this feels, mm-hmm. I got something here. Was mm-hmm. that one where you you thought, this this feels special? Yep. Or were you, what was your feeling when you finished it? I,
2: oddly, oddly enough, Zach, I, I'm always really wrong about that. You <laughs> yeah, know? I know that I, feeling. I, I, yeah. I, I, when I finished that song, I just thought it was an okay song. And yeah. I, I didn't think that there was any real... Um, uh, you know anything really special about it except for you know I, I made a pretty good story and it had kind of like you can fill in the blank at the after the end you right know, just you know where does she go open to interpretation right yeah but uh, I thought well this is you know okay and then you know I mean I'm sure it's happened with you guys I finish a song I just think this is the greatest (laughs) song (laughs) I did such a great job everybody's gonna love this song this is gonna turn it all around for mm, me this is the top of the mountain yeah Yeah. and And then you play it for the
1: you play it for your first trusted source and they go it's good you go what Yeah. it's good <laughs> what do you mean it's, it's okay. amazing yeah are you listening Ruby yeah. you yeah. haven't heard what I'm you talking listen, about you listen to the song that I say, you right yeah
2: what would be your favorite one that would you, you would you would cite as like this is amazing and then maybe it wasn't so amazing
1: oh of ours yeah well you, you, no one would know it because oh. uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. if nobody else thought it was amazing <laughs> we probably didn't record yeah. it gave up on it yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, we always, you know, we have a, a period when we first write songs where you just, you're in love. It's mm-hmm. like, a, you know, it's like a new girlfriend. Mm-hmm. She has no flaws. Yeah. She, you've met the perfect yeah. one. We mm-hmm. wrote the perfect one. And then, yeah. you know, 24, 48, 72 hours go by and you yeah. start to see that, well, maybe it's not so perfect. Yeah. <laughs> maybe it's not as perfect as that high, mm-hmm. high was leading me mm-hmm.
3: to, are, to believe, uh, not really but, sure what we were thinking there. Yeah. <laughs> we, we did have... So
2: collectively, do you have those same feelings? I mean, since you guys write a lot together, we
3: get each other worked up. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. when we're in the room, it's like, oh, this is great. <laughs> we'll, we'll. Uh, I, last record, I remember working on a song, and we were demoing him out at John's place, and we'd spent all day on this, this song, and just like really peppering it with these different sounds, and thought we were getting real, real clever and we played it for his wife she came in and you can tell pretty quickly like (laughs) if if it's connecting and her face is kind of like yeah and it took the wind out of ourselves but she's such a a great uh barometer for for what you know if it's good or not and uh it was one of those instances where we just totally run away with ourselves Mm -hmm. and I think sometimes you have to step out of the room and come back and listen Uh, mm -hmm. and have a little bit of perspective at least for us
4: Broke down in Kentucky, Richmond there was snow We saw our friends in Charlotte, we played on the radio And you should have seen us singing on the air What I really mean, I wish you were here
1: You always write them and finish them in the at, in the same sitting, or do you sometimes like to come back to them with a little perspective yourself?
2: I' over the years, I've gotten where I really almost enjoy the editing process more than the writing process. It's hmm. like really tweaking on something. Like you know, I get I'll go, okay, this is good, this is good, this is kind of weak here. You mm-hmm. know, okay. this That's line here is sort of weak. Taking an honest look at it. and going, you know, let's try something else here that has a little bit more punch or transitions Mm -hmm. to the the point of the song better Mm -hmm. you know just you know uh, for uh, many many reasons you know you would decide oh this this line is really weak or like this line is total bullshit you know (laughs) and and
3: I, I think in deep down if you've written it you have to know if you've sort of like thrown a a softball, you know, if if you deep down you know if it's a weak lyric or not. Sometimes right. it's whether or not you want to address it.
2: Right, that's true. Yeah. And that's by the same t- token, you know, occasionally there's a there's kind of what you would consider a weak line as something that you know is like you uni- know some kind yeah. of universal truth. That everybody else loves. Everybody you can everybody it. oh no, don't take that out. Yeah, wow, I that's know, great. I you know? know, it's like yeah. that's the battle, right? Okay. <laughs> I actually don't know anything about what I'm doing. Well, so there
1: that is so same can be said for just a song in general. Yeah. It's like sometimes a song that you just feel like like it's just not there's nothing it's just right down the middle uh-huh. and then somebody else hears it and they're like, "Oh, this song speaks to me." Uh-huh. You know. Yeah. So it's so easy to to overcomplicate
2: things. Right. Right. And it's hard to craft that kind of song that speaks to a lot of people. You know, mm-hmm. you know, I mean I guess we all try that, you know, okay, we're really gonna write something that everybody's gonna grab a hold of and mm-hmm. really, really like that. And then Yeah. And then it's just not there. Yeah, if you set out with <laughs> Yeah I've just learned that um, beast.
1: anytime we set out with an intention trying to write a song that does a particular thing or sounds a particular way, it's just never it never it always falls a little flat. Uh-huh. And we're better off just writing what
4: comes out that day. Right. You know. Yeah, sure. He sits upon a stone in the southeasterly direction. I know my charts. I know that he is thinking of his home. I've never been the sort to say I'm into intuition. But I swear I see the faces of the ones he calls his own skin is brown as potter's clay, their eyes void of expression. Their hair is black as widow's dreams, and dreams are all but gone. Their ancient as a vision of a sacrificial virgin. And a son is crying from a baby
3: being born. I was going to, going back to what we were just talking about, um, do you feel like over the course of your career, do you feel like you've always had sort of that North Star, this is what I want to do, and, and like a clear direction of how you want to create? Do you feel like you've had times of confusion or like a lack of clarity where maybe you felt like you were writing for the wrong reasons? Because I think as young songwriters coming up, it's I don't know if we've always been able to... Sometimes it's easy to sort of get off on a tangent, and it can be the wrong tangent, and not writing from the right places. Mm
2: -hmm. You know, I I would say, as far as like having some clarity of um, where I want to go, I I always felt like I was... uh, like I was set out on a road and that's the road and I'm going to stay with it. And I, and I, regardless of what happens, you know, if a, you know, a, a tree falls in front of me or a bear comes out of the woods and, and tackles me, I, regardless of that, I always felt like I was on that particular mm-hmm. road as far as like making the most out of that road. I've had many times where I felt very, very confused as far as like, you know, how this was working? Am I, you know, am I, am I doing the right thing to keep going on this path, making this this work for me? And um, I got, you know, many many times stuck in that world. I think that there was only one time where I really felt like I was gonna. Well, that wouldn't be true. There have been a couple of times that I really felt like I was gonna just give up because I. Uh, I just you know there were things that weren't working well uh, you know hard touring times there were times when um, I would make records and they 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 just did not uh, stick they didn't they didn't work well and at the time when I was making the record I, I felt like I was m- writing you know really good songs and the and the stuff was uh, you know definitely worthy of you know putting out there recording it and putting it out there but then got out there and you know there wasn't any interest in the record and so then you realize you know wow how much time did I spend making that record and what you know why isn't anything happening with this mm-hmm. and that just happens I mean people it's part of the process it's part of the process yeah. I I look at I look at a lot of times at, at movies and Uh, actors and actors careers a lot of times Mm -hmm. and you'll find that like their greatest work say is here right and nobody hardly even pays any attention but somewhere somebody has been paying attention because maybe a little ways down the road they'll get all these accolades for a lesser work right Mm -hmm. Uh, let's say let's I'll give you a good example would be you know arguably Jeff Bridges' greatest work was *The Big Lebowski*. Regardless of you know how flippant maybe that that whole movie is, it was a you know his particular thing was just you can't think of someone who could have done that done that better. Yeah, that is that role. All right, and then like you know later on he gets an Academy Award. For being a washed-up old country songwriter, <laughs> songwriter. Right, right? You know, in a in a yeah. you know relatively flat movie, in, in my opinion, yeah. And uh, and that happens over and over. Another good example was you know I would arguably to me um, Gary Oldman's greatest work was in Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. It was so understated. It's like the most understated movie acting you can ever find. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's just he is just silent and quiet and dogged, and just, you know, there's hardly any movement with him, the whole, the whole movie, right? And then, you know, later on, he gets, it for, it gets a huge thing for, you know, doing Churchill, you know, yeah. which was again, a lot of people have played Churchill, you know, not that exciting, but that other thing was really exciting. So somebody's paying attention, right? It, but you don't get that payoff right when it happens, and that's what you're waiting for, and that's, yeah. really, that's really tough as far as, like, Writing a record and making records.
3: It it really does speak to a body of work. Mm-hmm. You know, yes, it I, does. I, I think it's easy to want to nail it every time, mm-hmm. and some people have a knack for for really finding a rhythm, mm-hmm. but but it does speak to those moments will reveal themselves over the course of time.
2: Definitely, the, the I think you know in the end, especially if you consider yourself an artist, it's about the body of work. It's not really mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. each. Episode that yeah. you're involved in.
4: If I were the king of this old crazy world, I'm telling you there'd be some changes made. In my golden crown, I'd lead the big parade. If I were king, there'd be some changes made. I'd take you from your prison and set you on a throne. Instead of threads of linen, you'd wear a satin gown upon my throne. So safe and sound, you'd never be afraid. If I were king there be some changes made. People
1: come and they see you at shows mm-hmm. and they have an idea in their mind of who you are because they know you through your music. Mm-hmm. But what they don't understand is is that the person up there playing those same shows year after year is actually a person whose life is evolving and mm-hmm. changing. Mm-hmm. And you know I've Gotten to know your wonderful daughter. I've spoken to her a little bit about this, but you know, four years ago I became a dad, mm-hmm. and I've got a four-year-old and now a one-year-old too, and mm-hmm. that's changed my perspective a lot, just uh-huh. in on life and, mm-hmm. and music and touring, and, right. and you know, my question, something I wanted to ask you was just how did you navigate that as a dad? You know, what was that like?
2: Uh, I always divided uh, the touring. From my home life, mm-hmm. and truly tried to set a, set everything like uh, career wise aside when mm-hmm. I was at home. Yeah. Uh, there's something you know somewhere in the Dow or something that says when when with family be be totally be wholly present, mm-hmm. right? And I and I think in terms of that. I mean, it, when I'm with the family, I want to be with them, and you know doing things that they want to do not something that I necessarily want to do or yeah. things that we all want to do together mm-hmm. and also you know you know giving up times when you're really just you know just tired as hell and you just yeah. can't hardly put another foot in front right? and they go well they have you know this thing going on at school or they have this yeah. you know there's this party that yeah. they that you have to go hang out at the party and just be yeah. there be a chaperone or something and you go <laughs> okay, I can do that. I'm gonna do that. Right? Yeah. You know, and and admittedly, it's not always like really fun or anything. But yeah. but the more you think in terms of being wholly present, the more fun it is, and the That's more you become that thing. You know, you're yeah. the you're the dad, right? Mm-hmm. And also, you know, problems. You know, you don't shirk those responsibilities as far as like you know taking care of the problems that that your children have or your family, your wife has, you, you face those problems. And, you know, as you well know, some of those problems are, you know, uh, mind bending and and you don't know the answer, but they're looking to you for the answer. So you've got to stand up and think, okay, this might not be the right answer, but I'm going to step up and give a some kind of answer to the situation
1: yeah and you know you're you're learning it as you go that's mm-hmm. what i'm i'm figuring out and and music is an interesting career a, a songwriter being a, a traveling working performer is that job kind of a doesn't ever leave you you, you know you like it's <laughs> no. it's easy to become consumed 24 hours a day with that job uh. and so i think you're you're absolutely poignant and correct and saying putting those boundaries being with your family when you're with your family right you know and and not feeling guilty about it yeah like you're because it is a sacrifice Right. you could be working on your career all yeah. day every day right and and your career might be advancing further and faster than it is but at the same time you know balance is such an important thing i'm finding
2: Mm-hmm. yeah it's the it it is the most um, important thing in you know doing what we do and mm-hmm. um, and ha- having a life too and I don't think that I, I don't think they're actually always mutually exclusive I think mm-hmm. that there are times when you know you can be together you know for instance uh, uh, my my other daughter uh, you know plays the violin and I and and I'm involved with uh, this thing called Hill Country Youth Orchestra that teaches kids how to play the violin, the viola, the cello, and the bass, string instruments. And it's been there in Kerrville for 33 years, and I've been involved with them for like 13 years. And That's um, great. And, uh, you know, so she liked... Th- I never did push uh, anyone to, you know, learn how to play a certain instrument. I just, you know, they were just around, right? Mm-hmm. So the younger daughter really, when she was really little, just started picking up and plunking on a... Violin that I had. And I don't play the violin. It just happened to be there, and she's just plunking on it. And so, she started playing. And you know, for that, that was uh, great. It, that did give me a lot of pleasure. In that, that I I was in a part, a different part of music that I mm-hmm. really don't live in, the like classical music. Yeah. And yeah. and so I went to uh, literally hundreds of uh, rehearsals for the Hill Country Youth wow. Orchestra. And you know, got got involved with them where we play a show every year and give them the money, and um, that's a you know a big part. And now she's she's gone on it, but she still plays the violin, and mm-hmm. she uh, really you know learned a lot. And uh, you know, also sat there and played with her, you know, and. Okay, this part, do this, you know, go through all of that. So, I got to learn together a little Yeah, bit. so that was, yeah. That, was, that was really great, you know. And then Clara uh, Rose had this just, you know, this great innate interest in just music in general. And mm-hmm. so, that's the part where I'm saying it's not mutually exclusive. There are sure. places where they really, really connect. Yeah. However, the other part where you're really, you know, just, just trying to uh, be supportive, yeah. regardless of what's going on. Uh, there are things that you know aren't all that interesting, but you have to be supportive, you <laughs> Yeah, know?
1: well, you get yeah. off tour and all you want to do is sleep. Yeah, right. And absolutely. when you got kids at home, you yeah. get off tour and yeah. then you're on. Yeah, absolutely. You
2: know? they're, yeah. they're ready to go. It's
1: go time. Yeah. It's, Let's go, Dada. <laughs> yeah.
4: It's a hard old highway, a long, slow, boat. I think about you, Rosie.
1: Ahead, what are are you are you making plans five ten years out as an artist? Are you kind of letting each day
2: come at this point for you, or are you, Jonathan? I, I swear, I would love to say that I had you know like I had a plan all the yeah. time, but I really i I've never been much of a planner. I've just been to like a you know like my. My uncle, Uncle Hank, uh, who you know, uh, I think begrudgingly calls me the old plow horse, which is <laughs> like, <laughs> I I just kind of never stop and I keep going. I have, you know, I, I, I have things that I, I want to do uh, as, as an artist. I, I you know, there's a couple of records that I would like to, you know, write and put out. Um, my uh, my life in the last two almost three years. Has been really so uh, saturated with road work and being out on the road. Really? Yeah, mm-hmm. and I, that I've I have put aside a lot of um, effort as far as like just writing songs. And That's a challenge. It. It's a challenge. It is. Yes, it is. Do
1: you feel like when you're on the road too much, you can't get in a good headspace? For There's the oh,
2: absolutely. I mean, yeah. it's uh, you know, it it takes me now you know uh, maybe a week to even start finding some kind of like you know, that openness that you can feel. Yeah. Yeah. We experience that same thing. Right? You just, you just really, you know, you'll kind of sit down and start crapping around with a guitar and playing something and just going... Oh, this is terrible. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> this is yeah. terrible. Uh, did I ever dark. write a song? Yeah. You know, did, did this ever happen where I yeah. actually sat down and write a song? Because it ain't happening now, buddy. And yeah. like, I have to put it up and sit around. You know, and then, or I'll sit around and play a bunch of old Lefty Frizzell songs or something. You know, just some, yeah. something that make me feel somewhat connected. Yeah, just play but, something that you know is. Yeah, good. Then you, uh, yeah, yeah. They go, oh yeah, I love to play that, but you know, then I, then you start thinking this ain't writing a song, this is just playing a song. <laughs> yeah, this is only the, this is only a dress rehearsal, yeah, all right, this yeah. ain't the real deal. Yeah, this is not the real deal. So yeah, you gotta, you know, it takes a while to get, get in that headspace. Yeah.
4: My bag is full of letters, unopened and unread. I'm sure they tell the story of worry and reform. My heart is beating heavy. All we left unsaid, I swear to you, I never meant you any harm. The sacrifice and compromise could never stand the strain. It's been a long, hot summer, not a drop of rain.
1: You know, this is just kind of, again, seeking you know somebody's advice sort of from a mentor perspective but you know we had our first album we had a song that you know changed our life and Uh it was a song that i don't know when we wrote it we thought Uh this is a good song but Uh i don't think we we really anticipated it doing what it did and subsequently you know you keep creating and then all of a sudden that gives you a fan base and then your fan base has expectations Uh they want you to write more songs and Uh and there's some there's this thought that creeps in and it's this fear that your best work is behind you have Mm. I created my best work Mm -hmm. was that my best work Mm -hmm. is that something you've ever struggled with is that something
2: you ever had to navigate you know, I try to chase that thought away all the time. Yeah, it's uh, not a healthy thought. No. It's, it's not. Yeah.
1: And I know it's not, but, s-
3: but even still, you know. It's, it's, what, it's like once you've said it aloud, yeah. though, it's in the room.
2: Yeah, you know? and yeah. I mean. We've ruined it for everyone. Yeah. yeah. Oh, no.
1: Look, alcoholics still like the taste of alcohol. Yeah. They know it ain't good for them, but, you know. I know that thought is, is not good, but I sometimes can't keep it out. And I'm like, oh, I got I to gotta, I gotta get that away.
2: Uh, I, I I don't you know I always had that idea there's always these ideas that I had just sort of musically that I would like to like you, we were talking about earlier about um, how you leave leave songs to imagination I'm mm-hmm. I, 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 like like I say like you said I close things up and create like kind of full-blown whole stories yeah. i I really would like to learn how to do that is like leave that Leave that open-ended thing to l- let people think, well, which way does this go, or what happened here, you know? Mm-hmm. And but still somehow satisfying, you know, in yeah. that way that it's like continues to leave that question, you mm-hmm. know, out there in the air, and you're and they're thinking, well, that's cool. I wonder if so and so did this or did that. I don't write that kind of song very often, and I w- and I and I really feel more inclined to want to know, find that, you know, find that level there. And I, and I will have to say, I've never really been afraid of writing any kind of song. I mean, yeah. it's just there, you know, I, 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 I've, I've really believed that I could write anything from, uh, you know, a Hallmark card to, to a full-blown, um, uh, Broadway play. If, yeah. if, if, you know, given the right motivation, you sure. know, yeah, yeah. so, yeah. you know, so, um, uh, I'm not afraid of it, but, uh, at the same time, um, the idea of like, what else would I like to do writing-wise? That would be something that I would like to do. Yeah, it, it be more open-ended. And then the other thing is like, musically, I was reading a, uh, an article about Cole Porter and this sort of golden age of great songwriting—Cole Porter and Gershwin—that mm-hmm. yeah. and and all of that that period between, say, 1920 and 1950 and they write these great melodies and things like that and i and i like to do that i play around with that quite a bit i never feel like i've ever found my own my own space or my own voice in that way i mean i know the chords and i know how they kind of go but they just seem like i'm kind of emulating what they've done i'd like to find something that would be a little bit more like me. I
1: wonder if they say. would say Truly. they felt like they were just emulating something somebody else did. I don't know. Like, you know,
2: I, what I read about Cole Porter was that he was so prolific. I don't think he ever thought anything but just write he another just, song. Yeah, he just kept <laughs> you know, going. He well, was I amazingly think, prolific. I you think know? that's the
3: secret. Is
1: yeah. You just, you don't stop. Yeah. You, know? you yeah. Know? Yeah. yeah. you just trust in yourself to create. and You just go. You just have right. the gas. Right. Like, yeah.
2: but then when you run out of gas Jonathan <laughs> yeah. what do you do you know what, what's, yeah. what is your what, what what is your process at that point you know
1: I think I think it's almost it's like a multi-pronged approach right, right. I think sometimes you can look at it sort of like with a real um, like okay I'm going to try writing a song like this uh-huh. like you were saying like, uh-huh. I'm going to try writing an open-ended song and right. sort of give yourself almost a project uh-huh. to kind of jumpstart yourself right yeah. Um, and then it's just kind of that and just the act of just getting the motor running because uh-huh. I feel like once you're in a songwriting mode once uh-huh. you're in a groove yeah. it's easy to self-perpetuate that it's yeah. easy to keep writing right. but I feel like sometimes it's just getting the engine yeah. at least idling yeah. is the hardest right. part
2: absolutely it, but how about those times when you just you know you actually are in you got that motor running you know that, oh it's that, that, beautiful uh, yeah right those is, are, there is there's You're almost floating. nothing like it. Yeah. yeah. You know, it is so, I don't know. It's deceiving. It uh, feels so easy. Yeah. You right, feel right. invincible
3: absolutely. in a way. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. Yeah. And I always think it's going to last. Like, like it, it's like, oh, I've tapped into it. I got it. Uh-huh. I got this. I'm I've mm-hmm. grabbed onto it. And it can be fleeting. Right. You know? Even if <laughs> absolutely it's fleeting. So maddenly, you yeah. know, fleeting.
4: There's old man Perkins sitting on a stool. Watching Butch and Jimmy John talking loud and playing pool. The boys from Silver City were standing by the fire, singing like they thought they were the Tabernacle Choir. And I wanted you to see them all, I wish that you were there. I looked across the room, saw you standing on the stair. And when I caught your eye, I saw you break into a grin. If it feels so good, feeling good again.
3: Writing a song and performing are two different highs, Uh two different experiences. Do you find yourself drawn more to one than the other? Do you feel like you need that balance of performing and writing?
2: I think I've always felt like that. I, yeah. I, I do. I do think in terms of like you know the first thing I ever did was just write stuff without knowing how to play the guitar and just you know write I wrote a lot of a lot of poetry ah and Jeez. there's our double bonus <laughs> okay now we're at the double bonus <laughs> round <laughs> okay the answer for this is yeah. worth one thousand songs. <laughs> uh, no, I, I, you know, I could, you know, found found early on that I could, I could write and write in a rhyming way and write like story kind of things. And then, then I, you know, I started playing the guitar and I thought, ah, oh, this is it, you know. Now I'm gonna write songs, you know, not just poems. I'm gonna write songs. Yeah. And then I mean, I remember just vividly, you know, the first time I ever stepped on stage. The first time I ever stepped on stage was with some other people and a guy was playing the fiddle, and he was a great, great. Fiddle player, he sang, sang a lot of Doug Kershaw songs. You all know Doug Kershaw? Yeah. Great, great fiddle player. Sang and played the fiddle at the same time, right? You know, played all those Cajun songs, you know. But he played that, and we went and played this uh, big the agronomy benefit at Texas A&M. And, and he lost his voice that day, and I just happened to know all the words. So he played the fiddle, <laughs> and I sang sang songs. And that was it, and I do I was doing the whole time was just being frightened to death that I'd forget the words. Yeah, terrible. And that wasn't like, but the first time I ever got on stage was at another place somewhere in College Station. It was a, a little bar there and it was like a, you know, like an open mic kind of thing. And I got there and I stood up there and I played two or three songs. I don't think there was a handful of people in there, but man, I remember thinking, this is the key. It all yeah. comes together. Boom, here it is, right? Really? Yeah. So to me, that whole writing Right, writing the words and then putting it all together with a guitar and making the sound, and then standing up and projecting that sound and that those words out onto people, Mm -hmm. that was like, boom! This is the trifecta of what I'm doing of this kind of artistry, and it that always that's what always made sense. So the answer to your question is, if I were still writing and not performing, I don't know, I might well dry up. As far yeah, as I know. you don't I'm think you'd be fulfilled? Really, yeah, I love I love performing, and it, you know, the only reason I'm still doing it as much as I do it today is because, you know, for my life, those two hours that I'm on stage are the best two hours of the day almost always. Yeah, you know, stepping mm-hmm. up there, you know, whatever I feel, whatever I what's going, you know, going on, goes away, and I step up there, and you know. Whatever it is, and it can be a crappy place, or it could be like a, you know, kind of a crummy gig or whatever. I'm not saying I play a lot of crummy gigs, but I still do. Yeah, well. You know, and I get up there, and then if it is crummy, I make the best of it, I think, in terms of like, oh, this is fun, and then, you know, this, oh, and here comes this cool solo that Brian's playing or something, and this is really great, and. You know, and then I just always kind of can find, find a way to lose yourself in yeah, it. Yeah, to lose yourself yeah. in it. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so you know, playing and writing and performing do seem to go hand in hand.
4: this old porch, just a big old red and white Herbert Bull standing under a mesquite tree. Now a dose of Texas, he just keeps on playing hide and seek with that hot August sun. He's sweating and a pantin' Cause work is never done Oh, no He's got them cows And that red-top cane This old porch is just a steamin' greasy plate of enchiladas With lots of cheese and onions And a guacamole salad You can get them at the La Salle Hotel in old downtown with iced tea and a waitress who will smile every time. Yes, you will. I left a quarter tip on my $10 bill. This old porch is a palace walk on the main street in Texas. It ain't never seen or heard today at GNR and X's with the 62 poster that's almost faded down and a screen without a picture since john came to town oh no i love them junior men and them red hearts too yes i
2: do since you guys do this together i mean you know are are you having the same moments each other <laughs> most of the time or
1: yeah, because I think what we're feeling is we're very in lockstep with what's happening on stage and what's happening in the crowd. Uh-huh. And so it's kind of like what comes first, the chicken or the egg? Uh-huh. Do you get up there and get as vulnerable as you can and uh-huh. get positive reinforcement and feedback from the crowd, right. which then propels you forward to put on an even better show yeah, and right. it's like this symbiotic right. thing in that way? Or do you, you know... Something I feel like something's got to send it in that positive direction right. sure. first, and sometimes it's not reciprocated, right. and it's it's just weird. Like you said, sometimes it's like you and the crowd are in two different places, right. and whatever we're feeling, we're usually feeling the exact same mm-hmm.
2: emotion. You're never having those those. What the hell is wrong with Zach here? Well, <laughs> you know, it's funny because we I, are, have that, I have that every day. I'm here, I'm yeah, right. we yeah. Look, We've
3: had every. Because we, it is very harmony driven and and this sort of shared energy. There's there's certainly nights where we get off and and maybe one of us has felt like I felt like I just played a horrible show personally. Uh, But so John would be like, "Man, that was great," and I'm really hard on myself, so I'll be down, and then he's he's like, "Oh man, why are you bringing me down?" You know. (laughs) And then sometimes it's like, yeah, we we could have been better there, or we nailed it. Uh, I think the hardest times is when. And this is just being truthful, uh, we've it, doing this for as long as we have. We've known each other since we were 14 years old. We're gonna get we're brothers at this point. Yeah. We've gotten in fights before shows and had to play shows where we were absolutely yeah. just pissed off at each other. Uh-huh. Those are the yeah. weirdest shows. Yeah, because you yeah. don't ever feel like you can get into the show. Uh-huh. It's like the fight happens right before you walked on stage, and it's yeah. only been a couple of times, yeah. but. The whole show—it's unresolved. So, uh, and then we're having uh, to like uh, sing on one mic together, and pro- you know, project this.
1: Well, it's like so you know, I love you. Someone, yeah, so, I always wonder if people can yeah. sense that tension. You know, it's, it's like, like quarterback throws a pass, receiver catches yeah. it, makes a touchdown, crowd goes wild, and you're like, yeah, caught the pass, did <laughs> it.
3: You know, so yeah, it happened. I, I'd like to say okay, we, was a touchdown. It's never happened, but yeah. in in all honesty, it <laughs> hasn't. It's like it's like when you get in a fight with your spouse or your girlfriend, and like, some the somebody uh. walks in, and you just have to pretend that it's not happening at the moment, and yeah. like put on your best face, you know. Yeah, yeah. So. Ah,
2: it's called professionalism. Yeah. At that point, right? yeah, well,
1: and you got to think, you know, there's a room full of people who spent their hard-earned money on a ticket to yeah. the show, and right. they don't give a shit yeah. if we're not happy with each other right now. <laughs> yeah. They want a good show, yeah. and that's our job right. yeah. is, is to deliver that show. And so you got to. I, I feel like that's one of the biggest challenges can be it's just getting over whatever you're yeah. get, getting whatever. over your ego, yeah. getting over what mm. you're dealing with that day.
4: Right.
1: Also, understanding that you're not a, a perfect robot. Right. You're not some kind of AI music yeah. machine. Right. You're going to screw up. You're going to have some nights that are better than others, but just kind of giving yourself that well, grace and not taking it too seriously and having fun. Yeah. That's Right. It's been kind of the key for us. You're right, and that's yeah. what
3: makes it beautiful is yeah. is is the flaws, the imperfections, or yeah. yeah. make it charming.
4: The
1: more you rehearse, the less soul and life your show has sometimes. Uh, you know,
2: I don't know. I don't rehearse enough to feel, find that. We, <laughs> yeah, don't, we don't either. We never rehearse. Yeah. It's a running joke. We, we practice it.
3: Yeah. I, I think there is a point of you know diminishing returns. You can uh, you can rehearse to the point of paralyzing, I've actually no, being an I've entertainer. that no
2: bands that couldn't, you know, couldn't get it together. They just over-rehearse and over-rehearse until they just quit. You yeah, because it just like squeezed it know, too tight. Yeah, sque- squeezed too tight. We, you know, we do. In actuality, we do rehearse, but not. Excuse me, not in a very uh, you know like a. a mid- militant way, you know. Yeah, so like get together, together it under a couple your days fingers. before tour, yeah. you know, bang right. through everything you haven't played right. before, right. And right. knock
3: the dust off. Yeah. I think. Yeah. I think in our experience, it's been that usually. The, the tour, each tour kind of has a life of its own. Yeah. And whatever songs you're taking out uh, or, or however you're changing the set, you sort of learn to play. That that tour, uh-huh. the performance kind of takes its shape right for those days you're together. Right. And usually by the end of that tour, you're, you you feel really locked in. Yeah, and right. So that, that's part of the, the fun of it.
2: Yeah, I, I have my... I, I'd say probably the most uh, common thing that... People say to me about, and it's not always like the thing that I want to hear. But it, it, but it, I think it is. It is meant uh, in in all uh, you know, in, in a good way, in the mm-hmm. best way possible. But the most common things people say to me is, "It sure looks like you're having fun up there. Right? <laughs> yeah, are, are you yeah. really having? Yeah. Are you really having that much fun?" I'm like, I actually am having that much fun. If you, you want to see me when I'm not having fun, you'll know the difference. <laughs> yeah. You know. Yeah. And, uh, but I do have fun. I'll. I, I like I like being up there. It's a it's a, and I'm maybe not having fun for the same reason that the audience is having fun. You know, yeah. You be, or you might not be having, having
1: fun, as, fun in the way that they necessarily think you're having fun. Right.
2: Yeah. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Like yeah. what's absolutely. going on in your? There's yeah. a lot going on in your head right. when you're up there. Right. You know? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I know. I know. <laughs> it's like, there used to be this uh, this this so like, uh c- 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 kind of back in the days where there were a lot more people walking around solo doing folk music, you know, not like back back in the, the days of like the 60s kind of folk music, but I'd say more like 90s kind of people, a lot of mm-hmm. solo acts and stuff. And there was one, I loved her to death, and she was really funny. Her name was Christine Lavin, and she lived in New York. I'm not sure where she was from, but she lived in New York for a long time. And she would do a show where she would be singing this song and run this tape of what she was thinking the whole time what? she's singing this song into the PA system, and it was just a riot. I mean, it's oh like my th- gosh. Th- thinking about, you know, getting in a fight with some cab driver and what oh, she uh, ate that afternoon and how weird are those people in front of me and all this stuff. That, just, it, was, it was totally a riot. That, it's, I love. it.
3: Oh, I wish like, I could. <laughs> That's so good. We talked about the, the things you can think about while you're on stage yeah. is, you know, up, yeah. like up there... Wondering if I closed my garage door before we left for tour, you
4: know? (laughs) In the middle of a song. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Days full of rain. The sky's coming down again. I get so tired of all these things. Old songs, baby, won't be, be, on shoes. Shoes. be on shoes.
0: We're going to take a quick break and we'll be back with our interview shortly. Usually this is our time to share a new track or a new artist, but it is with a heavy heart that we are bidding goodbye to an individual who without their effort, the music many of us hold so dear would simply not exist. John Prine passed away April 7th, 2020. His work as a songwriter touched our hearts and inspired artists and audiences alike across the globe. Although Prine's physical self is now sadly absent, his spirit, presence, and music will continue to reverberate throughout our musical selves and in the echoes of time. With help and thanks to our thoughtful contributor, Will Vote, we dedicate our anniversary Will's pick to Mr. John Prine. When John Prine's debut album was released in 1971, we're sure it was slotted in the folk music section at your local record store. At the time, the acknowledged categories of popular music were limited, There was no Americana genre yet, and no rock critic had thought to put a word, alt, in front of anything. Listening to that landmark record today, it is obvious that it contains many of the elements that now define Americana music. His songs are filled with graphic stories of little people in our world. Sam Stone, Donald and Lydia, Loretta. Prine's words and descriptions are moving and often chilling. There's a hole in daddy's arm where all the money goes. All his words and themes are just as relevant today as they were almost 50 years ago. It's hard to make a choice on an album that plays like a greatest hits record and maybe the best debut record of all time. After careful consideration, Will's vote is Spanish pipe dream. Blow up your TV, throw away your paper, go to the country, build a home. Thank you, John Prine, for all you gave us.
5: Eat a lot of peaches Try and find Jesus on your own. Well, I was young and hungry and about to leave that place. When just as I was leaving, well, she looked me in the face. I said, you must know the answer. She said, no, but I'll give it a try. End of this very day, we've been living our way. Here is the reason why we blew up our TV, threw our paper, went to the country, built us a home, had a lot of children, fed them on peaches. They all found Jesus on our
1: Do you feel pressure to change the songs up? You know, every time you come somewhere, or or does it happen more uh, out of I don't want to say boredom, but maybe for, for lack of a better word. Or what's My, your what's your take on that?
2: I changes I change the songs up every every night. Okay, but given that the caveat there is that a lot of them are the same songs. I just move them around. You know, so yeah. I just I, I just move set. them around, and there is that. And because I've been doing it so long that way, I'm really uh, I loathe to do it any other way you know to play it night after night same set Yeah. however uh, I do find that sometimes I think you know I've pretty much crafted almost the perfect set that always works here I'd yeah. like to just do that over and over but what stops me from doing that is is the band I don't want them to get bored or complacent mm-hmm. so I've got where I change things up quite a bit and in the in the in the recent past, uh, because I've kind of refigured some of the things that the band's doing these mm-hmm. days, is I've gone back into, you know, way deep into ah, stuff. Stu- yeah, and completely brought up old songs, completely retooled them. Yeah. Not, mm-hmm. not at all like the record, you know, something that I thought at the time when I was making the record, I should do this and I did that and then mm-hmm. I, yeah. I should have done this and I did it. So I'd bring them back up. Retool them, uh, and um, and some of them r- really work really well that way. And then it kind of brings of that whole thing a whole of new excitement, life to it. you know. Yeah, right? you know. And and some of them move right up to the top of the sort of heavy airplay rotation. Where you know I play play them a lot, and you know get a lot of good feedback about oh I love that song. You never played it, and you know mm-hmm. so so we get it going. So um, I always try to play it, and and more recently I've been trying to really switch it up where I'm not just actually you know just I'm doing the same set but it's in a different order well it keeps it interesting for you and and the band as well
3: right being that you you have some some really iconic songs that people have have latched on to have you over the years have you gone through a resentment towards any of your own material where you didn't feel like you wanted to play it for whatever reason or
2: there are there are couple of songs that I just don't play because they were they came out of this period when I used to play by myself and I have these long long drawn out you know Story. expert stories and stuff and I just don't think they fit anymore and I ha- and I'm not going to mention them because I don't want them screaming these out but people mm-hmm. know yeah. this yeah, people, do it. It, yeah. people know this they, I don't know yeah. where they know it but they know it and they you know I you know. I mean, almost every other show. There's these two or three songs that these people shout out. I we, swear, I yeah, think they come to it.
1: our shows too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We got the yeah. same people are I mean, hunting us gotta, out.
2: I know I'm not going to do that. I, but I just don't address it at all. I just. Yeah. I just keep. I just keep going. Yeah. But I'll. I'll have them. You know, shout out these two or three songs. Okay, it's tough.
3: Well. You, uh, you want to give people the show that right. they, they paid for, right. but sometimes you can't hold the show hostage for w- one song that maybe one person in the room right, knows. and also
2: they're bullshitting you. They're just trying to, yeah. you know, they're just trying to jerk your chain. Yeah. It's, mean, a, yeah, it's like
3: another thing. way of saying uh, 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 yeah. uh, the Leonard Skinner song. Uh, oh, yeah. Right, Freebird, right, right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Freebird, yeah. It's, it's so like, another it's way, another so. form of heckling, yeah, you right. know.
2: For, yes, exactly. So well, I just, I leave those alone. We yeah. best yeah. I can. We got to play with
1: Merle Haggard before he passed away, which Uh was just, I mean, gosh, what an experience, right? But we watched his show after Uh we played, Uh and this drunk guy, the entire show,
3: Merle, play Walk It Off. Laugh It Off. Laugh Laugh It it Off. off.
1: Really? Just incessantly. Uh, And I knew Merle could hear him, and he was getting annoyed, but he just ignored him the entire night. That man, that's an exercising.
3: I can't remember. I think it might have been Silver. Somebody asked him to play Silver Wings last night, or yeah. one night he goes, uh, he goes, oh, if I sing that, he's like, I'm too old to sing that song anymore. If I sing that song tonight, I won't be able to make love to my wife. <laughs> <laughs>
4: <laughs> <laughs> You've been working every minute, every hour, every day, but still the work is never done life you love is passing away but you feel you've only begun lay down my sister
3: You toured at one point with guy Clark and towns oh yeah, yeah. how oh, man stories oh uh, they experience were, were you intimidated going into that what was your you how know, was that I couldn't whole have been
2: happier it was a it, that you know I don't count a lot of things that were just flat out luck on on what happened in my career but that one I felt really you know really lucky I went to uh, I had been I've been bothered this uh, he passed away this last year uh, Keith case but he was the guy who was the booking agent for so many people? Uh, Nancy Griffith and Del McCory and almost every bluegrass band around for it at one time or another. Peter Rowan and then of course the Guy in Towns and I bothered I bothered Keith on a rig about a monthly basis. Please book me, please book me. I'd take him to lunch and he'd go okay go ahead and give me your pitch and I'd go listen <laughs> Keith I'll, you know I'll do anything you know, I'll clean your offices and and he, you know he'd always say, God you know to have room for you and then one day uh, um, one of his uh, other booking agents uh, Denise stiff uh, called me up and said I know uh, you've talked to Keith a lot about booking you and he said it was okay if I if I took you over would you work with me and I said absolutely hundred percent and and uh, I worked with Denise and she was truly one of the great people in the music business for my for my money. And she became a manager and she was a manager for Allison Krauss for twenty one years after that. And she you know, she just was great. She just she had great ideas, she's good about money. She just had everything that you think a manager should have. Yeah. Right? yeah. And uh, so I worked with her and so she put me together with Guy in town. She said, You mind going out with them? It's not hardly any money and you just go out there and you open and you're only going to play like 20-25 minutes and i said totally all in so i did that uh on and off for about 18 months and uh for me it was just uh really you know you know i mean i couldn't have been a bigger fan and i of course i I left him alone because i was intimidated by i mean i was like (laughs) you know every once in a while we'd drink enough to where we'd all like buddies and you know hang out and stuff like that but most of the time. Uh, it was, you know, kind of like I just, I, I rented a lot Reverence. of cars for mm-hmm. Towns because he didn't have a driver's license, and, uh, <laughs> and I used to drive Towns around quite a bit if Guy wasn't driving, and then um, uh, I would play like my 20 minutes, and then Towns would play an hour, and then uh, Guy would play like an hour and a half, maybe two hours, this is a pretty long show, but it was full-blown like um, a, a really good show, it was always, you know, just one guy, one guitar, and uh the best part about it other than just being around guy because guy was really nice and he he helped me a lot but uh towns that was a period of time when towns was not drinking like all the stories go on and there were no Mm -hmm. stories about him going to a pawn shop and buying a saxophone and blowing it until he fell off the stage and those kind of stories right there are a lot of stories like that and uh, he was, you know, just he just drank beer because he said he couldn't get drunk off beer, and I think he was really right. I mean, he really just never did act drunk, you know. And uh, he, man, it was a whole different world of watching somebody. I always, I got, I, I just was kind of fascinated with watching him over and over because I realized he had something different than everybody else, and it was like he actually like pulled you into his brain and. Mm-hmm you could see all those things that he mm. was talking about. And it was all inner, you know, it wasn't outer, you know, It's like, it was all, in, like he drew you into this thing, whatever he was singing, and you were just in the middle kind of, of that song. It's his... like in kind of a dream, you know? And I saw so many really great shows. And then after that, um, right toward the end, he started drinking again. And after that, it just sort of really, to, it really took its toll on him. After that, he, he didn't do very well at all, but uh, during that time, um, I got tons and tons of experience of just standing up in front of people by myself. You yeah. know, people that were real audiences, not just like yeah, not, not like like open mic people and all that sort of stuff. It was real audiences, and you know, in, in some theaters, I went over to Europe with them, all that kind of stuff. And um, that was that was the part that really, uh, I think, probably got me hooked about really wanting to do do in this education. forever, yeah, yeah, just like, I can do this, I know how to do this, it's great, you know, great, uh, these people are fantastic, I'm with the right people, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, and that was, you know, a big part of, um, you know, getting on, moving on with what I was doing.
4: Now you're alone and barely breathing, looking down from up above, needing something to believe in. One only truth and love And the storm is slowly dying At the breaking of the day All the steel guitars are crying I'm rolling down that lost highway Turn your lamp down low
2: Well, I let me ask you, what's next on the agenda for you guys? You Wait. know, and
1: I think at this point we really like we we're talking about when you're touring so much, you just uh-huh. kind of can't get in a rhythm of writing, and uh-huh. so I think that the latter half of this year we're really going to shut down the touring uh-huh. and focus on uh-huh. just writing.
2: Still living in Texas? or are you? Yes, it, we are. Yeah, Austin's okay. home. Austinites. Oh no, kidding! Yeah,
3: I'm. I'm maybe ten minutes from here.
4: Really? Yeah.
2: Oh, fantastic. Yeah. That's great. So that gives you a chance to just sort of like be in a like a good place when you're home. That's you know? great. Yeah, yeah. We have. So he said musical. We actually wrote.
1: Uh, we've been writing a musical for the last four. That's years. what Zach told me ear- <laughs> yeah. earlier. Y'all
2: are. That's pretty
1: cool. So we'll be out in Chicago for four weeks for that, and then New York for four weeks. Uh, really getting that thing. Well, New York and then Chicago. Yeah, it's it's we got a little limited run in Chicago. Mm. Uh, it's gonna run for about six weeks, I think. Uh-huh. Goodman Theater yeah yeah, yeah. And, then, and when
2: uh, does that start uh, in July July yeah so July 2020 yeah The yeah. Outsiders is that what The Outsiders it? Uh, yeah. Susie Hinton uh-huh.
3: uh, she wrote it when she was 16
2: uh huh wow and
3: then uh, Coppola turned it into a movie right I don't remember pretty, the movie pretty famous cast yeah right um, very famous cast yeah one so, of those
2: launching all these careers man, kind of cast yeah, yeah all
3: those guys were young yeah, yeah. so that, that was pretty it's been fun to be involved it's it's probably been about five years in the making. Mm-hmm. So, uh, real education for us. So,
2: this isn't a practice. This is a real deal. This is y'all are... It's doing, a real deal, yeah. Some. That's a fantastic. We, we somehow tricked them,
3: tricked them into letting
1: us do this thing. <laughs> yeah. And so, now
3: it's, it's yeah. coming down the pipeline. It's been a trial-by-fire
1: yeah. education, for I sure. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I didn't I, know anything. I'd, I'd maybe seen one or two low-rent musicals Yeah. before but, this. Yeah. So, we really learned a lot. Yeah. It's a different it's a different game uh-huh. different beast writing songs for a musical than it is just writing songs right
2: right right. i i you know i i can imagine i mean i've, I've read a lot about writing songs and it's just like a constant grind as far as like getting the right thing go, happening and everything is expendable apparently you know, yeah oh right? man
3: nothing yeah. is nothing is sacred yeah. uh i think there's a joke they love to tell us that you, you never finish working on a musical. You just run out of time. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, in our naive way, when we first started this, you wrote a song and then, that you know, like you wrote the next one. It's like making an album, right? And then we quickly found out, no, you write a song and then you either scrap it or you rework it or you rework it again and you... You write then, what
1: you think is a great song, but then in context with all the other songs, that song is no longer right. Yeah. So that song needs a complete rewrite. Yeah. Wow. You, you and it's a song get, that's
3: a great song. Yeah. Can't, can't get too attached. And and, uh, and the, the, the format of the story is different than uh, like a traditional pop song or yeah. something we would write for ourselves. Yeah. Uh, you know, you're advancing, you're moving the story along, so, uh-huh. so the, the, the characters
2: speak. So will it be something like West Side Story kind of thing? Like
3: in what, that what? same vein, yeah. And us, you know, similar story in that way. Uh-huh. I think we've tried to uh, bring an Americana uh-huh. sense to it right. as best we can, and uh, help differentiate differentiate it in our own way. And, and uh-huh. the people we're working with, uh, the book writer Adam Rap, and. Um, Liesl Tommy's the director, so I think we're, we're trying to give it a life of its own and still honor the source material, which is the book, which is incredible, uh-huh. and then also what uh, Francis Ford Coppola did with it uh-huh. and made it sort of this iconic thing.
2: So That's fantastic, man.
3: I think, I think we're finding value in our ignorance, and
1: we don't really know what we're doing, therefore uh-huh. I think this music sounds like nothing else on Broadway, which you right. only kind of get one chance to do it. Yeah. Cause once you know what you're doing, mm. your art changes. Right. You know, right. but when you there's almost there's almost this real value in not knowing anything uh-huh. about your medium, right. and just going off pure mm. instinct. I think the hardest thing for me with that has been, you know, when you write a song and sometimes you just want to let the song breathe for a couple of uh-huh. hours, right. and just just let it soak in what you right. just said. Right. Doesn't work in a musical. Yeah. Space a st- is not always your friend. Yeah. Yeah. Huh? So. The song has to be so active and full of words and pushing, propelling the story along. That's been a hard thing to switch gears like that. Yeah. Coming from a world where you just serve what feels right. Yeah. And what... Yeah, right. And and that's that's your barometer. That's it.
4: I gotta go somewhere. I gotta go. Wasting time standing here. I gotta go. Cold steel up against my head. They turn the lights down low. In case you didn't hear, I said, I gotta go.
0: These are your very
4: last words, sir. Say them nice and slow. My last words on this planet were. I gotta go somewhere. I gotta go. Wasting time standing here. Standing here, I gotta go.
3: I have one more question. All right. Being that it is an Americana podcast, how do you feel about the state of Americana music? It, are you inspired by things you're hearing now by people, or do you find yourself going backwards and listening to old music, or do, is there new things no, no, that you're no, the music, gravitating towards?
2: The the Americana scene to me is really really alive and well, and it's and not only that it's 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 growing all the time, and the stuff that I get to hear that I, these days that I'm had I not been part of this podcast. I might have never even listened to it for one second. I just, you know, you know, so you know, you get you get so full of music, you feel like you're gonna you burst, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. But um, it's been refreshing and uh, and really learned so much from so many people, and uh, it's just it's totally opened me up to Americana, but also the how broad it is and how alive it is. Mm-hmm. I mean, to me, it's now. To the point where I think uh, all of us that are involved in Americana, if, if we would be a, get a little bit more solidarity, it could be truly a real force in American music. I,
3: I tend to agree. I, yeah. I, I think just the, the cooperativeness and the song swapping. Uh-huh. Aspects of, of like the tradition of that. Right. It would be nice to yeah, to see right. some of that.
2: And it's not controlled like so much else. It's yeah. really, it it's really it's its own free radical and it's out there.
3: Well, the the landscape has changed yeah. so much. Do Do you think about that in regards to if you were starting now, how you would navigate?
2: Uh, I have no idea. I'm I'm sure that that just given my dogged nature, I would figure out something, right. but I want to say that uh, the rules are broad and wide these days, yeah. and, and even if, if there are rules, right? Yeah, totally. Where, as you know, when I was coming up, there were rules. I mean, there there's this kind of music, this kind of music, this is how you write this kind of song. If you're this kind of person, you do this kind of thing, and it was very, very, really, you know, in little boxes almost, and today, psh, there's no boxes. It's just completely take a big old fan and fan it out and start picking. You know, like fanning out cards or something. Pick a card. Yeah, There you go. Here I am, right? So it's, uh, you know, for me, uh, in the world of Americana music, it's the best time to be in Americana music.
3: Yeah, it's exciting. Yeah. Well... We appreciate the time. Thank, Thank you so you, much. Thank you, Zach yeah. and Jonathan. It we was really rise. great.
2: Jamestown Revival, and uh, we've had a wonderful time. Thanks thanks for uh, asking me all these questions. I needed to get all of this off my chest. i was <laughs> playing <laughs> on you. Thanks again.
0: this time we would like to thank our hosts Zach Chance and Jonathan Clay of Jamestown Revival the BMI offices in Austin, Texas our resident troubadour Robert Earl Keane, and especially our Americana community for one successful year Americana Podcast is brought to you by Keene Productions edited and produced by Clara Rose with original music by Kim Warner until next time let the music play we